0: listening to the Leadership Woman podcast with me, Jill Sammel. And today uh, on the podcast, I have a, a very good friend of mine. I nearly said an old friend of mine who ha- is sitting in the UK I've not seen him for ages, so it's just lovely to, to sit and see him. He was just telling me about having his hair cut in the garden. And so it's uh, Mike G. Mike and I, we met when we were at the Legal Aid Board. So maybe, Mike, you can introduce yourself for everybody.
1: My God, the Legal Aid Board, that's a long time ago. It, it soon became <laughs> the Legal Services Commission, didn't it? So uh, be- before that, I was uh, uh, kind of working in financial service. So I was effectively... Uh, doing the retail transformation program for the Royal Bank of Scotland as it went through its massive transformation and the famous project Columbus and McKinsey's, um, I was part of that team, which was quite exciting. So I guess uh, without realizing that was my first real introduction to transformation, change, or of that sort. I'd worked in various departments um, in in Royal Bank. The most one I think I took most away for was eight years in HR department which interestingly they sent me as a form of punishment because I refused under the management training program to stay any longer doing corporate blending on the basis that, you know, I think I would have died there if it had gone on much longer. Uh, People were promoted by moving one desk to the right and that was kind of their ambition. So I guess I knew I wasn't put out for corporate banking. So they sent me to HR. Best thing I ever did, started to learn about people and I, get, I dare say, as we go through this next 20, 30 minutes, people will be high on the list. I think. And then uh, I decided I wanted to, to go into the public sector quite well. I think I'm taking a bang to the head at that particular time. Uh, or somebody was very convincing. One of the consultants, I think it was odds I think, was, was hindsight, convinced me that I should go and work with uh, one of our favourite, one of my favourite leaders, I think one of yours, Steve Orchard. And... Um, I only worked for him for 15, 16 months, but what an experience, you know, the guy was legal aid through and through, he recognised the need was for change, he recognised that some of the skills that hopefully I brought, not least a bit of personality and things like that, that, you know, it was okay to be a leader that cared, Um, so he gave us a bit of head really, and I think that's where you and I bumped into each other, where we were kind of wrestling with these challenges and of course then Tony Blair's government came along with access to justice which in some ways and we I didn't recognize it was a catapulted us into more change a positive thing I think in that sense um but it was it was really interesting
0: let me just go back to Steve Orchard then because uh, leadership is our thing and um my recollection of him was that you felt so safe. Um, I can remember we were going through a huge change with the criminal contract or something like that, and uh, nobody liked us. And um, and and being in his office one day, and uh, I, I was I was quite stressed about it. And and he said, "Look, I am going to go off and play golf back to I can't remember where he came from, but it was actually of London. Dorset." I, I'm going to spend the weekend, I'm going to play golf, I'm not going to think about it, she says, so don't you. And, and it gave you that permission to switch off.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I remind what reminds me of Steve is I used to go in, he'd have a brew, a pot of tea and a cup of tea, his feet would be up on the desk. I think in those days you might have been allowed to have a fag in the office, or maybe, or maybe not. And mm-hmm. some of the biggest decisions we ever made was, was he prone, sitting with his feet on the desk, saying, yeah, we're going to do that, mate, or you're going to do that. What support do you need from me? Which at that level of seniority was unusual at the time. It's unusual now, but he didn't know it, and I didn't know it. He was an enabling leader. He knocked down the barriers for you. He used to take me to see the Lord Chancellor, and the way he dealt with the Lord Chancellor was like spectacular. I mean, it was just um, just did it, the set didn't change, you know. Just said, "Here's the rules no. again. This is what we should be doing." Um, so that was what it was all about.
0: That's true. When he was called in front of select committees, I mean, you would think he was just going out for lunch. Yeah. This, this, uh, this calmness, this, this safety, and uh, and I think the legal legal aid board, whilst yeah. under him, we really thrived.
1: I was sorry I didn't work with him longer, if I'm being honest, because it was such a great opportunity, and I was, I could sense I was learning as I was going on, and of course. You only have to knit next, next door and get your finance sorted out with Brian. I mean, it was just, they were... Oh, I, that's I,
0: true, I'd forgotten him, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah, they were quite a double act, the pair of them, you know. So um, <laughs> that, was, that, that was always a, a healthy relationship as well, because Brian offered challenge as well. So he was steeped in legal aid as well, which was always helpful. So you have plenty of experts, and then you have the up-and-coming people, people like Richard Collins, who kind of, you know, was making his way. Um, but what struck me about the public sector, it was my first experience, just how good the staff are. And they get bad press. But, you know, I never give the public sector bad press. But it, the leadership was different. It was, I found the first three months and Steve said, what's the biggest thing? I said that it, the difficulty in getting decisions, not necessarily, but, you know, in government and things, it slowed everything down. That was my learning curve for the three, first three to six months, I have to say.
0: Let me go on to Richard Collins, because I worked with him for quite a while. And he also was somebody who enabled me to go off and and do my own thing. But You talk about coming from the private sector. And I can remember, we all knew you'd come from the private sector, but you never made us feel second best.
1: I I think Mm -hmm. my challenges were, and I guess the bank had started to move away from some out of financial services some five years earlier in that they celebrated technical experts but they didn't necessarily make them people managers understanding that often that was a mismatch that if you want to be best technical people I found when I went into the public sector lots of very technical people who weren't as comfortable managing people as they probably should have been and that impacts on staff when you've got leaders who aren't got those emotionally intelligent skills they did care but they cared in terms of the technical stuff if you gave them a, a policy document or to go and do a one-to-one, I know what they'd be doing. They'd be doing technical documents. One of the, one of the lessons I learned early on was to say, how many one-to-ones have you cancelled this week? You know, And they used to look at me <laughs> I say, well, five. Oh, right. Okay. Why was that? Well, I'm, I'm too busy. I said, well, you should be too busy doing the one-to-ones because that's where you'll get the most benefit. And it didn't make me usually popular with some people, but you know you know I long since passed care about that. I wasn't rude to people I just said activity management was always big on my list of things you know what are you doing all day that will help you deliver the outcomes and what do you think is important and what do you know what do you staff think is important and we started yeah. to do some remember us doing three sixties my God it was like revolution had happened you know
0: it was you mentioned HR and it's only more recently that I have Really understood how far advanced our HR department was because there are many companies still only introducing what I thought were the norm in the 90s.
1: Well, one of the big takeaways for me from the days at Legal Aid was that you had to have your HR department as a business partner, not somebody there to do just people. And actually, as soon as they understood that, they started to develop things around what the business required. And George George Lapine, who was in charge, was ahead of his time. Lorraine Jones, was it Lorraine Jones? I think it, or was she SRA? Well, I can't remember. They all blend in. Well, they were quite <laughs> progressive in they were quite progressive in that. And you know, if when I was I just come back from six years at Jersey, much of the success is about how HR have adapted themselves as business partners. But I also did that for facilities. I did that for comms. I did that for anybody that had engagement finance. Instead of leaving them in their silos, you have to include them in the change program. If they're not going through the change and transformation, how are they expected to feel the same things as the people who are working perhaps at the coalface? And it's really interesting. And I see loads of organizations toiling with this because they don't focus on outcomes. that they're still handing out KPIs and documents and hugely beautiful glossy documents on work you know equality and diversity. Equality and diversity is in the DNA of an organisation. It's not a policy that's handed out or, look at us, we've now got, you know, a policy document that's well read. Well, it's not. It's actually the action. You know, when you go into business, it's it's, it's the people at the end of it. Mm. You probably realise I feel quite passive about this. this yeah,
0: I can I can tell. And uh, as I, said, I had no clue what we were going to talk about uh, <laughs> I talked about you the other day in a group of all them, right because today I'm quite involved in mindset and the fact that we can choose our attitude. But once upon a time, I certainly wasn't. And I let my emotions uh, go away with me. And I can remember you stood next to my desk and you'd be saying, how are you doing? And I'd say, yeah, I'm fine. Well, um, I'm not good. But how are you? And you'd say, well, I'm happy. And I'd say, how can you be happy? You know, everything's turning to whatever. And and you say because I got it this morning and decided to
1: Yeah. And I still do that every day now. I mean, looks, you might want something new, and there are two or three other things I've, I've been able to attract that I do exactly the same things every day. I spend 15 minutes every day just speaking to people, usually on the phone, and simply saying thank you. It's worth... You can't put a monetary value on it because the whole mantra for me now... And you know what I'm going to say? I think is that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I, you know, I do that every day. How can you show people that you care about them? Um, and that's when good times, bad times, when they need your help. Not give always giving them solutions, although sometimes that's what you need to do. But actually, you know, just showing that you care. And I was talking to a group the other day. We were we were saying that. Back in the days, and this was in the banking days before before I went to Legal Aid, there was a big drive in the old bank on visible leadership. And um, I always tell, and it's a true story, that they, obviously they'd been to one of their meetings, probably at a golf club of those days and probably had a round of golf. And somebody had told them that they needed to play more visible leadership. And I had a manager who, you know, we didn't know anything about. He used to come, he used to sit in his office, team would be wheeled in and various customers. But every Tuesday between two and quarter past afternoon, he was told, he would come out the office, walk around the office, never say anything to anybody, and go back in his office. <laughs> so me being the cheeky chappy that he was I, was, I said to his secretary, you know, we all know it's between two and quarter past on each Tuesday afternoon because Mr. Mm, had walked around. And she said, yeah, he's got a diary card that comes out that says... And I said, are you serious? And she said, yeah, that's his response to visible leadership. So... so you can see the changes and, and how attitudes have changed. And I always thought with you, your attitude was contagious. And that's kind of a good thing. You know, if you can be, you know, positive and stuff, then people will respond. And if you need to put your armor out somebody, you need to put your armor out somebody. Or and you need to be able to give them difficult messages. But you know, it goes back to one of my first ever best managers in the bank who said to me treat people as you'd like to be treated yourself. And you won't go far wrong, mate. And you know it's true. Mm. So, mm. yeah, lots of, lots of little things. But I do say thank you. Try it. If anybody's listening, try it every day, fifteen minutes. You'll probably get through five or 10, 25 a week, hundred a month, twelve hundred a year, just by saying thank you, and just see the impact it has. Honestly, there's, mm. there's you'll you'll have no difficulty finding reasons to say thank you to somebody. No,
0: and. Thinking about COVID, then thinking about everybody suddenly moving into this remote working space, um, what you've just suggested may well be something to adopt. Would you say?
1: Yeah, I mean, COVID has been really interesting because in the first four months, I sat back and sort of smiled to myself because it's I'm saying this is about IT and 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 the enabler. And I've done remote management, as you have. It is by far the most difficult thing ever to do. And one of the guys I who rings me up when he's having a, a panic attack or a crisis just said, we're not connecting with the staff. So I said, well, have you trained your managers in how to deal with remote management? And what information are you providing? And he went, no. So I said, well, why don't you start off by picking up the phone and phoning, somebody that's on the lines working with them, say, how is it going? And you don't need to do anything for two days because it'll go around like Wi-Fi. It'd be better than any email, but actually sit and talk to people. What are the difficulties? What what would you like us to do better? And the number of businesses that just didn't go and look at remote management and where you've got a very proactive HR department, and we have got them, they're, they're out there, they recognize that. And as soon as it was getting the IT in place, it was about how do we support you managers and, uh, and in terms of well being, an organization that's got a real agenda uh, to well being would have sorted that out. And, and you know, because that's what it's about, really.
0: That's true. I think that companies that already were very good at building trust and engagement yeah. helped well in the remote sector. The, the companies that just wanted to see bums on seats and monitoring people. Put in the surveillance technology on the uh,
1: oh, yeah, yeah. on the IT. Well, I think it's the it's the difference between an efficient process and an effective process. You know, getting the IT working is efficient. Being effective is about the people and dealing oh. with you know the issues that it throws up. And you're gonna, organizations are gonna have a real challenge getting people back into that space where going back to the office. And there'll be people. You'll get a blend. You you, you any organization that's worth its thought will blend this and say, you know, because I still see too many people being recruited and they're not trusted. And I say to people, why would you do that? You know, if you've got command and control and you know I hate command and control management and then you recruit the high level people, you bring them in and then you tell them what to do and they don't like it, then why would you do that? Why, why, why would you think that that's okay? Um, these people want to come and make a difference and very often, what I call will-do people, not can-do people. I mean, you want will-do people on your team if you're going to make a difference. Can-do is a given. If you're recruiting anybody and they can't do the job, then you've got a problem. When you've got will-do people, or a, a, most of your staff are will-do, you'll see a massive difference in, in an organisation because they'll pick up and run with it. And that's where enabling leadership is so easy. I mean, it really is that easy. I know, I know people will probably say, well, it's not that easy. It is that easy.
0: I suppose it is that easy. Personality comes in here too. Sure, it does. Because yeah. because your personality is such that you find it easy to make small talk. You find it easy to go around and find a topic that somebody's interested in. And I watched you do it a lot. But for some people, it isn't. It isn't so easy as we mentioned earlier.
1: But why? So can I just challenge you back? And I will offer you a challenge. So why are they putting a leadership post if you're not sure that those are the skills that you're going to require? So, well, I, you know, I watch I watch Courageous Nation Street every week. I know Made in Chelsea characters. You know why? Because I like watching them and staff like me talking about them. you know. I know what's going on in the housewives of Cheshire, mainly because one of them lives next door to me. So. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I do, I do kind of chat to people and you know and I, I may, again, I love Manchester United. You can always get people involved in talking about things, you know, and anything topical. I mean, it's not difficult. It, it really is difficult. And, you know, and I but, would argue, and I would argue very strongly as you're probably that, that you probably gather it, that you need to get the outcomes that you want from an organisation.
0: But the thing is, Mike, that not everybody goes above and beyond. Not everybody goes further than they need to. And I'm going to, act- I might be embarrassing you, but I remember I'd not seen you for years, many years. And um, somebody in my new French family wanted to treat his brother uh, for his 21st. And uh, he was mad at Man United. And I just thought, you know what, Mike G. used to love Man United. I wonder if there's any way to get tickets. So I contacted you and Not only did you give them your season ticket or whatever, because you were, you had them, somebody met them (laughs) and took them to the ground. And I have to say, my credibility in the French family here
1: is (laughs) just,
0: just (laughs) went up. They now think that I can solve (laughs) anything.
1: But I, I would play that back to you is that, you know, I go back to what I said before, I care about our relationship. So and I, I, you know, so if I can make that relationship better by doing you something you've asked me to do and it, it wasn't a difficult ask, then I would say to people, why wouldn't I do that? And, and you know, too many leaders don't even make the contact with people to know what they care about. I mean, legal aid was a good example. I remember there was an individual, and I won't name the person for, for fear of being sued. And everybody says, Oh, that's just X. She's always like that. Or he's always like that. There were two of them, but he's always like that. <laughs> and I said, well, that's not acceptable, you know. Well, what can we do? I said, well, who's the manager? So I sat down and we had a very interesting chat. And you know, and I said, you've got to challenge this because actually they're determining the outputs and the outcomes for an organization. And actually, if you're doing proper management of performance, there is a difference between management of performance and performance management. Uh, then you should be kind of doing that. And I said to the manager, when was the last time you had a one to one? Oh, they don't like them. I said, and? <laughs> and? <laughs> so, um, but, you know, you can spot things, you know. And I-, I learned very early on that, you know, good managers spot things. I mean, when I got my first system manager's job in the, in the back, I was going to change the world, me. And uh, I used to work from seven o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock and all my staff are going home at five o'clock um, my manager came in one day and he brought me a brick a house brick and he put it on my desk he said there you go i said what do you mean he said every time somebody brings you a problem you pick it up and you put it in your haversack, and you wonder why you're going home naked your wife's probably complaining that you're never going home you think that by you doing it, it the team looks good it doesn't so pass the big back every time you hear something don't do it and it was a magical lesson for me because all of a sudden I thought well and performance management was it because I would have got performance managed and I thought if I do it and I cover for the team then I'll be all right and of course I wasn't so no I did learn and
0: and I've heard that in a different way um don't take the monkey I can't remember who who read that? But yeah, if somebody comes with a problem; it's a monkey on the shoulder, and if you're not careful, you've got it on yours. But you so, can yeah, imagine me
1: in—you can imagine me in a posh office with a brick on, me on my desk. Aren't you thinking? <laughs> you know, is—is is this something? is this, is, this, is there a subliminal message from? Me? Well, actually, there probably was, if I'm being honest. But it's things like that, and you—you you don't recall them then as you know good emotional intelligence because it wasn't the hot topic. But no. these were good; these were good people
0: and and the, the other thing um, not only were you talking about mindset many decades ago uh, which I'm now into you were also quoting John Maxwell with yeah. that as you just have um, were you reading his books at the time yeah, or yeah. did you just see this yeah. quote yeah I
1: made a decision in 1990 because it was 1990 kind of you know over the next five years I wanted to improve something so rather than play at the edges, I thought, what am I going to do? And emotional intelligence was just starting to kind of get some credence. So I had to read all those things, you know, good habits, Kobe and people like that. I used to go to webinars and my bosses used to go, why do you want to go to that? But actually I'm trying to learn. And the bank had just kind of gone into using profiling for things and I found that fascinating, certainly emotional intelligence. The best one is when we, we I was sent and we did animals and there was a variety of things. It was used to be animals or some other things. And I filled in the question. and I was with one of my best friends in the bank. And We were actually in Scotland. And we filled it in and we said, like, we'll come back after lunch and we'll give you the answers. So when we got back in, we were visibly excited. The people on the stage were visibly excited. And they said, we, we needed to get, we were so keen to speak to you. We've been doing this for like three years and we've never had a panda in the audience. And my mate went, That'll be you. And I went. <laughs> and of course, what was the next phrase? It was Mike Geekhoff. Who is he? And it's a panda because they were very rare then. And they used to say there was a like a high and a low. And I hadn't gone out, gone right between the two. I hadn't gone high or low. I've been like, so we've never seen anything like it. So I said, "What well, happened?" So I was psychoanalyzed for about three weeks afterwards. So just beware if you're filling in these profile forms. But I used to find that stuff fascinating. Try in your own ways to put them into practice. Yeah. I do like people. I I'm,
0: I do like people. You don't have to persuade people.
1: No, but you know, sometimes you work with some managers, and you think you don't like people, do you? You know, in that sense, and it may sometimes it's as basic as that. And boards have got a lot to answer for. I think some boards are fantastic and they engage and they don't stand aloof they 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 work as to serve the organizations not as servants you know but I've seen completely the opposite and you know it's just it's dysfunctional so mm. but that's another web podcast for us to do well I, I
0: was just started thinking no I'm not gonna
1: come I'm not gonna come No, go there no but it is it is a hot topic. And I, I, I find it fascinating, because I did kind of ask some, as you know, cheeky questions of occasions. And I think I sent you one. I've been talking to CEOs who are trying to do diversity inclusion and failing miserably on many occasions. So they said, Mike, what would you ask me? So I said, well, if I was recruiting you, I'd say to you, uh, if the organization was a reflection of your behaviors towards equality and diversity, what would the organization look like? And you want to hear the silence? the kind of, I don't know, I said, don't you think that's kind of a bit of a statement? Because people do look up to you as the lead, it's a role model stuff. And mm. you get some inspirational stuff, you get some absolutely inspirational stuff. And I said, I, I can't add to that, just go and do it. And you know, but that's about engagement because they still wanna box equality, diversity offers, women, men, black, white, it's not, it's, it's much bigger than that, mm. it, it's much bigger. One of the best keep kept secrets in Jersey, which I still want to really keep kept, was we were recruiting return to work parents, both male and females. What a fantastic group of people. <laughs> and you know, we used to put them, say, What hours do you want to do? Um, you know, and they say, Well, I can do 20. Great, we'll take 20 hours off. Because you knew you'd get 25, 26 hours off them. What, what, what do I need to be in the office? No. And you just got this cadre of people who would eventually come back to the organization if they chose, but they knew about the be- environment. And you know, it's things like that that for me is a quality and diversity. And
0: so you're talking there about flexibility of, of working, which um, I never realized being in the civil service, how lucky I was because uh, I'd done full-time, part-time, three days, two days, and it wasn't seen as anything negative. Well, yes, it was seen as something that women did uh, and we were eternally grateful. But other than that, it it was accepted even at senior levels. If they wanted to keep you, then they would allow you to do two days a week or whatever just to keep you. And yet, I, I don't see that still. When people are talking about part-time, and I'm saying, if you remember, whenever we were inventing a job, or not even mention the job, but there was a new role, some new work.
1: Draw, drawing uh, up a role description was the phrase that we used. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> and you look at it, and you think all of these jobs aren't thirty-seven or forty. They're not. Hmm. You know, actually, we only want somebody for twenty hours a week, but you're giving it a full role, and and I don't think enough thought was. Uh,
1: uh, well, was two, two things. One, I couldn't agree more with you, and and I think it's more prevalent now than it ever was then. But you, you, you made an interesting comment. And I'll, you said allowed to. You know, that's not a negotiation with the person. You know if, if somebody can do 20 hours and that's four hours a day, five days a week, two days, 10 hours, whatever you want to make it up, then that's the flexibility. And if you want to change it to a Tuesday to a Thursday, you shouldn't seek permission to do that. And you come back to your early point. You have to trust these people simply because they're part-time, contracts. You need to trust them. I mean, it never ceases to amaze me that organizations spend millions bringing in IT contractors and they don't trust them. They don't tell them what they really want. And I mean, I just kind of shake my head. But it's just mismanagement, the stuff. And mm. so I would never think allow would be, a, and I'm not trying to pull you up, but flexibility works both ways. You know, if you needed them in a crisis, these people were there by your side you know, often before you even ask them, they would be, they would be will do people in my world. That would be a good example of a will do person.
0: There there was a certain amount of allow though, because you did have to apply for it. Uh, And one thing that I think this COVID has done is that suddenly most people were at home, not just the women. And I don't want to go back to what was normal. I'm hoping that people who actually work really well at home can continue to work well at home. And the ones that want to go in the office can go in the office and it will no longer be along gender lines, which it tended
1: to be. I agree. And I I think, you know, if if ever we've got an opportunity to think accepting, promoting command and control management, this is the moment not to do it. And let's have enabling leaders who recognize different people need different answers to things, different alternatives. But you need to be authentic with people because that's how you build trust. If, if all of a sudden said everybody back to the office, and it will happen, I'm telling you now, it will happen, then people will vote with the feet. They will because they've, they, they've suddenly discovered that they don't have to spend two hours on a train if you're down south with 300 other people in a 200-people space. And that will change. And I think if you can find the right leaders and find the right processes, and I'm boring again, focus on outcomes. What do you want as an outcome for this? Then you've got a head start. I'm not a big fan of the word new ways of working or the new normal, because I don't think they knew what the old normal was, never mind the new normal.
0: I think you commented on a Simon Sinek video that I... Posted the other day. It's only five minutes. He's somebody that I really rate. He seems to make everything simple. Yeah. (laughs) He talks so much sense. Um, Common
1: sense. He He speaks common sense. Yes,
0: common sense, which we're back to. But he said, why on earth do we call them soft skilled? And of well, course, <laughs> as somebody who works in the soft skilled area, I, I totally agree. To it.
1: It's the hardest thing I've ever learned. I was, I was could never understand why people call them soft skills. If they're that soft, why do so many people find them hard to do? That's all I think I said but, to you.
0: The thing is though, that we we like hard skills because they're measurable. And they're more quantifiable and whereas these soft skills and going back to what I was talking about was the the HR department not only did they give us some kind of framework I remember they were talking about behaviors and we had a set of um, sentences and things that yeah. sh- that gave us examples of what these behaviors looked like and certainly what these behaviors didn't look like and at the time I didn't appreciate just how good that was.
1: Well, so, don't you remember the, ga- the gas of breath when we said that 50% of your reward is now based upon your behaviours and 50% on what you would call the hard task? You know, people were marking, I said, Mike, what does that mean? So I said, well, it means you're going to have to do some people stuff and get the right behaviours. Don't you think I've got them already? Well, no, not really, no. And, you know, we're trying to give you the opportunity. Sometimes you just have to leave the organisation. One of the one of the biggest terrorists, and I will use the word carefully in this sentence, came to me after six months and said, I didn't appreciate what you said about being people, but can I just say I've never enjoyed my job war? And you know you you know kind of you're gonna win then, don't you really? And I said, Well, what what made the transition? Because I could see the impact it was having on other people. And I also started to understand the impact of me being as I was was having on people and it was never gonna be acceptable. And you know. Those are wins for you.
0: So human skills are really important. They're very hard to quantify and measure. Do you have any tips for how would you yeah, like develop you... human skills?
1: Well, I, I think you've got to be comfortable with feedback. Somebody once said to me, and I didn't appreciate it again at the time, that feedback is the breakfast of champions. And I used to think, oh, hell, what does that mean? And kind of, I was in a bit of a turmoil for probably a couple of hours. And then I started to, you know, he's right. I'm a big fan of 360. I'm a big fan of big fan of feedback. I'm a big fan of doing observation coaching. I, I will sit in with my people that I manage and watch them do one-to-ones, so not to pick holes in them, because, you know, just to help them improve if they're really struggling. Well, you know, agenda setting. It's not about you speaking for 59 minutes of the hour and them doing one minute, you know, stuff like that. I guess role modelling and kind of showing people the softer skills can be achieved. Three sticks mm-hmm. is very powerful. If it's used as a blunt instrument, then don't do it. That That's my only caveat, because if it's just seen as a, and a chance to vent and you, you've held a grudge against somebody for 20 years and this is your chance to, to vent it, then don't do it. But you, you've got enough people clever enough to know what the right kind of commentaries that are coming through mm. and start to look at that as stuff and staff service I, look, I like staff surveys, but not kind of happy sheets you know
0: <laughs> in terms
1: of <laughs> and then when you've got the feedback forget bring the people with you get you know a jersey some of our best ideas come from not to decry their jobs but the receptionists the, the post people they were brilliant because they knew all the funny things that were wrong, really. And, you know, you should always take those commentaries on board. So Involve
0: people, feedback.
1: Communicate uh, with people.
0: Difficult conversations as well.
1: Yeah, and there are lots of really good training courses on, on, on that. Spotting mm. mental health issues is a big thing. You, you need to be very aware of the pressures that people are working under, either personally, professionally, or a combination of the two. And just growing some of that sensitivity, and you know, looking for the signs. And um, yeah. One
0: well, well, question I have then is, what's the thing that makes you most proud, or a couple of things, a couple of moments?
1: Wow, that's a biggie question. It'll sound very simplistic, but for me, it was really important. So, at the Solicitors Regulation Authority, where I was the chief operating officer, and I was there for seven years. They had an annual award for the staff performer, which the staff all voted for, and an executive had never made, never even made the, the top the twenty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and one year I won it, and I, I was kind of gobsmacked, you know. And the the, the chief executive said, I, "I don't know what to say about this. You can, you know, because I suppose in many ways it's the ultimate validation that the staff, because it was yeah. totally different. It wasn't executives." So for me, I kind of you know that, that that meant quite a bit to me in terms of that. Yeah. Uh, I guess the other highlight was dressing up as Pudsy bearer in Jersey for, for children in need, and actually walking <laughs> around Jersey in the proper Pudsy outfit, and we collected <laughs> five thousand pounds. That's still remembered with some fondness in Jersey. Yeah. But that's yeah. things like that those are kind of yeah. And I,
0: I guess people and when you were just bit, talking about being voted because uh, one of the things in that video with Simon Cynic was about all you've got to do is ask the team. The team knows who the most yeah. uh, trusted person is, who the yeah. most reliable person is. And, and there you had a vote. So that was brilliant. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's things like that. It, 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 might, it might seem to whoever's listening to this quite trite, but actually you asked me personally, it was about those are the personal things. Yeah, I love teams <laughs> doing very well, you know. I celebrated at Jersey when they were Corporate Social Responsibility Employer of the Year. You know, this is a bloody regulator, you know, we're supposed to be great people. But that was a kind of a celebration and the, the delight of people in terms of that, um, mm. because people do. It, it's a thank you thing as well at the end of the day, isn't it?
0: So what's your vision then or your wish for the future? You've just mentioned, I don't want to divert you, you can talk about anything. But corporate social responsibility, you mentioned, and uh, yeah. I, I was thinking of sustainable companies, sustainable business, and uh, how the guy at Unilever, yeah, Coleman, was it? I mean, he he left, and the, the guy at Danone has just left. So uh, at first, I thought there was a trend for more people over profit, but it it seems to sort of have stalled. That's just yeah, me. because
1: I, th- I think people have got very lofty aims. My, my idea of the corporate response, the reason Jersey was one is I gave everybody 15 hours a year to do corporate social responsibility. I gave them 15 hours. I said, you can do things that, you know, provided you're not off doing stupid things. And people came together. We signed up with Mencap. They had a, an area that needed help. So people cutting down trees and doing stuff. But the build-up in teamwork, I mean, some people had worked in the same building for five years and never spoken to anybody, you know, about from the top floor. So it's it's great if you've got a leader duty, but actually it's gathering in people, you know, gathering the staff. That would be something I would kind of see as something I'd be happy to be associated with because it, it, it brought people out. I mean, I remember at Legal Aid, somebody, one of the guys there, you know, and it, they said that he wasn't well organised. So I sat and talked to him. He ran the bloody scout jamboree for the whole of Great Britain. And he, he said he couldn't organise anything. <laughs> so I said to his... I remember saying to his manager, he's one of the reasons you I said, he's a character, isn't he? He said, well, well he's, he's, he's very... You know, we're not sure he's good organising. I said, have you ever asked him what he does outside of work? What well, What, has something to do with the scouts? I said, something to do with the scouts? He organised the jamboree for the whole... They were going to Japan, I think. I must have a memory like something else. But but he was taking like 700 scouts to to, to Japan. I said, I think you should go and have a chat with him. Anyway, sure enough, within 12, 18 months, he was a great supervisor. (laughs) It's things like that. And I I know I'm smiling about it, but it's memorable stuff, you know, just by asking.
0: And and there... That, that could take us into all kinds of things because I've seen some people thrive under one manager and be absolutely terrible under another. It's just how... how uh, well, yeah,
1: but, you know, it's, it, when I first walked into organisations, and I'm sure it's the same you, people are very happy to say, I've got 20 years' experience. And I used to say to them, have you got one year's experience you've used for the last 20 years? And they kind of look at you because they've survived on something they did well 20 years ago. And that's my... That may seem an exaggeration, but it's not too much of an exaggeration.
0: Well, I've heard you say that before as
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> and, I remember you know, that one. And it's always a good opener. So you know, tell us about your current experiences. Like what, what you know, you know, what you're most happy about in the last twelve months, six months, if you want. And mm. you got know, some of them toiled with that. But, mm. Yeah. So experience is a very interesting uh, measure, shall we say?
0: Absolutely. So I want to thank you for coming and sharing your experience with us <laughs> it's certainly been a pleasure for me and uh, i'm sure that you've been talking about all kinds of issues that are still as relevant today as they were when we were going through them
1: yeah that's that's the thing you know it, it might seem to it, but the same issues are still knocking about. Right. it's about people it's about being authentic and as our favorite person says it's about caring for people and you know if you can you know, make all those things, do all those things well, then you've got a good chance of being an effective leader, a really effective leader, in my humble Absolutely. opinion.
0: In your humble opinion, there's nothing much humble about you. <laughs> <laughs> is, this what
1: you is this an interview that you were expecting, or oh, you didn't really know, did you?
0: Yeah, I knew roughly because uh, you and I have had various conversations. So I, yeah. I did know the things that you were passionate about and I knew that uh, there would be things that people would be interested in listening to. So, uh, so yeah, thank you. You didn't disappoint, Mike, at all. Thank you so much for coming. And
1: have a lovely uh, weekend. It's Friday. The sun is shining. It, I think Friday. it's Friday. Well, I'm not sure because with, with, with lockdown, they're just blending to each other. Weekends go out. That's weekends anymore. They're just another true. day.
0: And this podcast goes out on a Monday, so thanks for that. Well, this Monday. <laughs> Next Monday,
1: yeah oh, It's going on Monday. Well, don't forget to send me, if you think it's any good, send me a copy. If not, don't bother. Of course. Of course. <laughs> De- yeah, definitely. So thanks and thank for coming for the, on the Thank leadership. you for the opportunity. Uh, it's been great to talk to you, great to catch up with you. And as I said in your notes, you were a pleasure to work with. I'll pass the compliments back. And you've obviously, you know, got a passion for stuff very similar to mine, so... More power to your elbow or whatever else you're using to make a difference.
0: That's lovely. Thanks very much, Mike. Okay. (laughs) Speak to you again soon. See you soon.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.